Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, welcome to session 99 of Selling the Couch. I cannot believe we're in 99 sessions. This will be our last double digit episode ever which is uh, kind of wild and crazy to think about. I wanted to do something really neat and special with this session and next session as well. And this session, we are talking with a colleague who has seen over 100 clients in private practice. And we're talking all about the lessons that she has learned on this journey, both the personal and the business lessons that she's learned. My guest today is Sarah Gilbert. Sarah is a licensed clinical social worker out in Connecticut. Sarah actually posted that she had seen over 100 clients recently in a span of a little over two years. And I was like, man, she must have so much wisdom and so much experience just picking up a lot of different things. And that was the reason I wanted Sarah on the podcast. So we will get right to it. This is a wonderful session, no matter where you are on the private practice journey. It's full of just really practical, a lot of mindset kind of things and a lot of business tips. So here is my conversation with Sarah Gilbert from TransitionsTherapyLLC.com. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. I'm so excited to be here and to get to talk to you. You know, this conversation started with you making a Facebook post in our community, sharing that you had seen past over 100 clients in private practice. And I was like, man, you must have so much knowledge and wisdom. I got to get Sarah on the podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be asked and uh, to get to share some information. I'm really excited to share with the community. I've learned so much from this podcast already, so I'm happy to give back. Yeah, absolutely. It is about trying to give back and helping each other as much as possible. I wanted to start just by asking you just a general question. Um, What motivated you to get into private practice? Sure, that's a great question. So I had spent many years in the nonprofit world working at different agencies, and I got a real wealth of knowledge working in different settings and with different populations. And at the last agency I worked at, actually, a friend of mine started a private practice while she was out on maternity leave. And I was so kind of intrigued and happy for her. And thankfully, she was very generous and spent some time with me kind of explaining how she did it. And I realized it wasn't as big and scary as I thought it was. So I kind of started seeing that as a possibility for myself. 
I kind of made this decision actually right around the time that I found out that I was pregnant. So I saw this as a real opportunity to take my career to a different direction and also to have more time at home with my family. So that's how it got started. So neat. So prior to that, you had like, did that thought of being in private practice even occur? Or was it just seeing her? Yeah, no, it did occur to me. But I just, I don't know, I just had it in my head that it was impossible. And that it was way too difficult. And I had no ability to ever make it happen. So it was just like this big kind of mystery to me. So actually knowing somebody that was going through the process recently really helped me out. Yeah, and not at all to like put you on the spot or anything. But like, what was like a like a piece of wisdom that you gleaned from her? and just seeing how she was building her practice? Just kind of seeing that, you know, there are some steps in the process, but that you could break it down. I didn't have to do everything all at once, that I could take things one step at a time, you know, like picking an office location and then paneling with insurances or, you know, forming an LLC. So it helped to know that, yes, there are many steps, but they don't have to all be done at once. You can go at your own pace. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I'm, you know, about to jump back into private practice. And uh, yeah. I don't know, like a week ago, I was like working on the website and I was like, okay, I need to have this section and this section and I need mm-hmm. to think about EHR and all of these different things. And that little step right there is what's helped me, which is realizing like some of these things I can do later, but ultimately breaking it down into steps is a lot more manageable emotionally and practically yes. as well. Absolutely. Definitely. So you have seen a bit over a 100 clients in the past, a little over two years now. Right. And uh, what I wanted to spend the majority of our time was just talking about five insights or five kind of pearls of wisdom that you've learned along the way. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share that. So I guess the first thing that I would start out with, which, you know, really, I think has become more apparent to me, I'd say in the past year, is that it's incredibly important for us to work on our mindset you know, starting out as very much of the business kind of focusing on the business aspect of it. And of course, that's important. But I really feel that we need to work on our mindsets right from the outset. Specifically, you know, through my own coaching, what I've realized is that there's a huge mindset shift from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. And that's something that, of course, now that I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I've worked in nonprofit for well over 10 years before starting this venture. So just kind of looking at recognizing that mindset shift is super important for us in terms of how we think about our business, how we want our business to fit our lifestyle versus our life wrapping around our business, which is another wonderful piece of wisdom that I've gotten from uh, Kelly Miranda at Zinimi. And, you know, also looking at our mindset around money, I think is really important. So when we're thinking about our business and trying to grow it, looking at things as investments, rather than being terrified of spending any money on anything. I think that's also very important to kind of look at healing our money mindset a little bit and kind of trusting that we're making an investment so that we can be more successful. I love that idea of mindset. And you said a lot of really great things. I want to like break it down. So if you like thinking about your own journey, how did the employee Sarah think versus how did the entrepreneur Sarah think? Yeah, it's so different in that when, you know, employee Sarah would just kind of work within an established framework, right? Especially in the nonprofit agencies, you kind of work with who's assigned to you. And there's a lot of value in that in terms of getting phenomenal experience, but there's not really a space to reflect on who you do your best work with. 
who you feel most comfortable working with. And there's not, unfortunately, my experience anyway, there wasn't as much opportunity to stray too much from the established structure. So it's a different mindset in terms of your ability to kind of make decisions, be in a place of power. Whereas being an entrepreneur, it's all on me. The decisions are all mine. And, you know, at the same time, that can be really exciting and also overwhelming. So that, in my own experience, that's something that I really kind of underestimated in the beginning, that I was really focused on the exciting aspect of being an entrepreneur, which it very much is, but the overwhelm can lead to some paralysis and, oh, I never had to make this decision before, or I never had to deal with insurance billing and handling those kind of problems. Somebody else would always do that at an agency. So it's that kind of mindset shift around our own ability to make choices and be in control. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good point because I I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode, which is that, I mean, realistically, like all of us, right? Like we wake up and as entrepreneurs, we literally could probably do between 18 and 20 Mm. things in a given day, right? Right. For you, like, how do you figure out what that like one or two most important things are? How do you avoid that overwhelm? Yeah, well, I will be honest. It's an ongoing process for me. (laughs) For me as well. Oh, good. Yeah, some days I'm really great at it and some days are really overwhelming. So I try to look at the month ahead. I use a planner that really helps me identify my goals for the quarter, but also breaking it down by weeks and by day. I identify my three biggest, like most important tasks and trying to take action towards those tasks so that, you know, the bigger picture will be closer and becoming a reality. So that's been helpful to me. And then when I am feeling overwhelmed, I actually work on adjusting my mindset to this really great quote from uh, Brendan Burchard that I believe in my ability to figure things out. That really helps ground me and gets me back to a place of feeling in control when I am feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great quote, because I think in those moments where we do feel overwhelmed, usually what comes up is issues or struggles around our own competence and whether we're, you know, smart enough to be doing this, good enough to be doing this, all of those kind of things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely the imposter syndrome is a very real thing that comes up. And I, as I've talked to other people, I know that, you know, that's a pretty common experience. So I really try to, using my planner, focus on the tasks ahead rather than getting stuck in the feelings of, you know, overwhelm and I'm not smart enough or I'm not sure that I can figure this out. You said you write down your goals for you know, mm-hmm. the month and for the quarter. Are these yeah. sort of financial goals, personal goals, mix health goals, a mix or what? How it's, do you do- a, it's a mix. So I use the self journal and it's a formatted journal, but it's also pretty open. So you can do a mix of personal and strategic or financial goals. So I try to list keeping in mind self care. I try to list goals along that end, whether it's, you know, exercising so many times a week or just being mindful and being present. And then also my goal that I've been focusing on this month is networking. So that's been more of what my goals are about right now, putting myself out there, talking to people, that sort of thing. So it's a mix. It's a juggling act. That's awesome. And it's called the self journal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like the website is bestself.co. Yes. Yes. It's a phenomenal tool. Awesome. Yeah. It looks like it's kind of got me motivated to look at this. Yeah. For me, it's great because it has a space too for um, listing your gratitude at the start and the end of the day. And just for me personally, I find that such an important part of healing my mindset and keeping me moving forward, just being aware of what I'm grateful for 
and the good things that are going on. I wanted to just kind of, I feel like this could be an entire episode. In fact, it's been two episodes before, but mindset around money. How did you used to think about money? And then what was Mm -hmm. the biggest shift that you had in thinking about money? Yeah, sure. So how I used to think about money is just tons of anxiety. Just when I started out, I started out very part-time in private practice. And I was very terrified of spending any money because I didn't know if this would work out. So just trying to keep things bare bones, shoestring budget. And then my very first investment was investing in an electronic health record. So I use simple practice and there's a monthly fee with that. And when I really sat down and did the free trial and looked at all of the benefits, everything that I got out of that service for the monthly fee, it helped me shift my mindset into, okay, this is an investment. This is something that will make it easier for me to run my business and that is well worth my time to put that investment in that fee every month because the return on investment is huge. You've used that word a couple of times, investment. I think it's such a great word because I think for me, I had very similar struggles and I still do have some of these struggles, but around money that Mm -hmm. I often like saw it as, I don't know if this is the right term, but like a zero sum game, meaning that I only had a finite amount of money. And if I give you some of that money, then I have less money, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, just changing that, first of all, like, that's not really true. But the other thing is mm-hmm. just seeing that that shift, right? Thinking of my time and whether it's not saying that you need an investor in everything, right? But it's saying, if I invest in a product, will this free up time? Will this mm-hmm. lower, lower learning curve? Will this make me more efficient as a business owner? Will this lead to like better self-care and better balance? Like those are things that I often think about. Absolutely. Yeah, those are really good points. And I know, you know, the balance is really a big key for me. Is this going to help improve my balance? So that's definitely an important point to keep in mind. And then, you know, just as I've been learning and listening to different podcasts or reading articles, just giving more thought to the idea of the abundance mindset has been really a huge mind shift for me that I think has really helped my practice, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying about finite resources and things, you know, the abundance mindset of, you know, there's enough, there's always going to be enough, there's enough to go around has really helped me kind of reduce my anxiety Mm -hmm. about that any sort of expenditures. Yeah. And I imagine like that abundance mindset around clients too, right? Like, it's okay that I don't see every client that calls me, right? That there are mm-hmm. other probably other colleagues in the community that are better resources and that me referring that client to them, it helps them. But eventually it's that mindset that uh, I'm going to get clients that work for me and that I want to work with. Absolutely. Yeah. So that might actually, if it's okay, I think that's a really good segue into another lesson that I've learned along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So another thing that, again, I've been really focusing on more, I'd say more recently, is knowing, being really clear on your ideal client. You know, I know in the beginning when I'd started learning and reading about private practice, I kept hearing this concept of really narrow down, know your ideal client, cater to them, market to them. And it terrified me, right, coming back from that scarcity mindset that I was in at the time. But I'm really learning that knowing my ideal client is definitely important. And it's helped my practice to be really clear on my marketing to direct my website copy. It helps me to network better when I'm meeting new people and talking about my practice. I'm really clear on being able to quickly answer who I work with, who I enjoy working with. Did you take certain trainings or like, how did you get 
How, did yeah, you, how were you able to do that? Because I asked this because I noticed that, so as I'm building my private practice website, I've looked at a lot of private practice websites and mm-hmm. a lot of them, they're very like general, you know, yes. right? Yeah. Like let's live a happy life or something like that. I mean, it sounds great, but the reality is if I'm like a potential client, I'm not sure that like, I'm usually looking for a specific solution to a specific struggle, mm-hmm. right? So how did you like figure out who your ideal client was and how did you kind of start to write to that ideal client, speak to the ideal client? Sure. Actually, a couple of different resources along the way have helped me with this. The first one being I invested this spring in Kelly and Miranda's business school boot camp. And that is one of the modules you go through really fleshing out your ideal client. So that helped me connect a little more with who I really see myself doing my best work with. So that was phenomenal. And then also, most recently, I did um, Agnes Weinman's Ideal Client Intensive. And I just can't say enough about how much I got out of that particular training, because it really forced me to do a lot of deep thinking and writing about who I love to work with and who I'm not a good fit for. And that has just helped me tremendously. I do happen to love writing. So I think that that helped too. But There's some really, really thought-provoking questions as part of that training that helped me identify all aspects of kind of this living, breathing model of who my ideal client is. So that was a tremendous value. Yeah, I'm in both business school bootcamp and um, I've done Agnes's client intensive as well. And both are wonderful programs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking as you were saying that like, the phrase I keep coming to my mind is if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. Yes, I keep that in my mind, too. That's funny. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, and, and more what I've been coming around to recently, too, is that if I'm accepting clients who really, you know, even if in that initial phone call, I have a sense that they're not a good fit for me, I'm actually doing them a disservice to take them on and to start working with them. If I know that maybe our personalities just don't mesh or they have a need that's just not something I have a lot of training in. I'm actually not helping them because I'm preventing them from seeing someone that's a better fit for them. So that's helped me also to kind of be okay with saying no to people sometimes. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. So we've covered shifts around mindset. We've covered Mm -hmm. having a real clear vision on ideal client. What about like a third thing that you've learned? Absolutely. So I very much operate out of focus on service, being generous, helping people. That's just something that has always been a part of my personality anyway. It is something that very much was instilled in me by my dad, who was an amazing person who very much instilled that value in me. And I think that it really serves my practice well to be of that, you know, as I talked earlier about that abundance mindset that, you know, there's enough for everybody to go around. The more positivity I put out there, the more I can help other people, other colleagues or other people in my community helping clients, it does come back. And it's not that I help people because of that return. I just think that that's, you know, the best way to run my practice. I think it helps everybody to just be helpful to provide insight. Or, you know, if I happen to know of a resource that someone in the selling the couch community is asking about or um, website feedback or whatever, I just think that's really important. And I think that helps my skills and my practice grow. And, you know, it's just a good thing to do. It helps clients. It helps my colleagues. I think you're bringing up such a good point because I think especially in this world of like business and marketing and, you know, all of the other stuff, right, that come with it, 
I sometimes I feel like we lose the human connection, right? Yeah. Just wanting to like help each other without expecting something in return. I love that mindset because I do feel like the folks that have that mindset, even though they may not see how this is going to benefit them or if even if it will benefit them, I feel like it always comes back, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I, I connected so well to your podcast and the Facebook community, because I can definitely tell there's that spirit behind what you're doing. And it just so aligns with how I work because, you know, I'm not interested in competing with other people. I think we all have our gifts and our talents and I'm just hoping, I really do hope that we're all successful and there's a lot of people who need our help. So why not, you know, give back to other people to share our talents and information so that we can have an easier time of building our practices and being successful healers. Yeah, well said. Thank you. So focusing on service and then what about something else you've kind of learned? You know, as you talked about like humanness, I, that reminds me of another point, which is being connected is incredibly important to my practice. Being connected to other colleagues in this field, obviously, to kind of learn and grow, but also being connected to my own supports for myself, you know, my own personal growth, I think is very important to my practice. I've more recently come to the mindset of personal growth equals practice growth. So connecting another investment in my own business and life coaching has been really helpful. Connecting to, as I said, other colleagues who can share information and resources. And also, you know, I'm really fortunate in that I am surrounded by a lot of positive support in my personal life. I have an amazing group of friends and family who just really support me. They may not be doing this work, but they're so supportive and helpful in various ways. That helps keep me going, especially when we go through those lulls in private practice land when maybe we've lost some clients or the phone's not ringing and it's really quiet. It's so important for our well-being to be connected to supports. Yeah, I think sometimes we make that mistake of trying to build practices and careers in isolation and mm -hmm. especially in the field that we're in and the work that we do. Like It's so important, I think, to have that connection with colleagues and to have good supports all around us. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes such a big difference in terms of stress management and I think our own success. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask a random question around that. So it sounds like you've built some wonderful relationships. Was that like hard? Because I know there's a lot of folks in our field that are more introverted, that are more shy. And so the thought of like building relationships and, you know, with others and with colleagues, I just like, it makes them like get a lump in their throat, right? Like, yeah. So was that hard? Like, how did you work? If and if it was like, how did you work through that? I would say for the most part, this is not a super struggle for me, because just thankfully, I happen to be an extrovert by nature. Anybody who knows me knows that I am definitely not shy. I love meeting new people. I'm excited by that. So that certainly helps in terms of building my business. I'm genuinely curious about other people and what they're doing and learning about their practice or just, you know, themselves personally. So I think that has really been an asset for me going into this business. That being said, you know, I have come up against some insecurities, you know, that I've been really focusing on and working through more recently in terms of putting myself out there. You know, one thing that I struggle with sometimes is, okay, so I have a practice, big deal. Other people do this. What information do I possibly have to share that hasn't already been said before? or that could really be an asset to someone. So I've been really leaning into that and pushing myself to connect more with therapists in my area, going out more to networking events, um, especially if it's people from different industries, just kind of networking. I actually went to an event last night 
where I met people who weren't necessarily just therapists. So trying to go into that discomfort and really just share what I'm doing has been helpful. The more I do it, the easier it does get. That's neat. How did you find that particular like get up, get together, meet up? Well, I actually, I'm in the process of moving into my own office space. And so it was an event, a networking event that was, you know, put together by the owner of that building. So it was just kind of a natural thing for me to go check out and meet some really nice people. So it was, it was a good time. You said something, you just said it like really quickly, but it was like gold, which okay. was, you said that you focus on how you can serve others and help them, mm-hmm. right? Which I think Having that mindset, I think, puts a lot of the pressure off, how can I sell my what I do, right? Yeah, and this is where I think I have really gotten a lot of that from the different Facebook communities. And I know I listen and read her emails of uh, Allison Perrier, who talks about networking. You know, that mindset really helps take the sting out of it for me because I don't like being salesy. I don't want to be selling something, but I do love to meet people and I love to hear their stories. So I kind of view it that way, that you know, learning about them, trying to see where my work might connect with theirs or how I might be able to help them with referrals or, you know, in any other way. Yeah, awesome. What about that final kind of lesson that you've learned after 100 clients? (laughs) Sure. So this kind of is a good progression to my last point, because the biggest thing I think that helps me is being curious and always being open to learning. I'm always open to new sources of information, whether it's podcasts or reading blogs or websites or doing different trainings, because I think maintaining that spirit of curiosity really helps me grow in my practice. You know, you never know when a piece of information is going to become valuable, even if it's a podcast that's maybe not necessarily related to therapy specifically. There are definitely insights and wisdom that can be gleaned from those things. So that is something that I think is a huge value to the work that I do. That I'm, I'm like a sponge. I love to learn and take information in. I love to share it because, you know, whether it's helping other colleagues or even helping my clients, I think that that spirit of curiosity has been a huge asset. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for me is if I ever stop learning, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I love that mindset, just learning, but then giving, right? Like not just yes. holding what you've learned. Right. Absolutely. I think that's so important. I mean, you alluded to this earlier, because at the end of the day, our whatever populations we serve, whatever people we serve, our mission is still the same, which is, you know, to help this world that's hurting and to make it a better place. I agree. Sarah, thank you so much for uh, doing this. I'm so glad that we've been able to connect. What are some of the best ways that folks can get in touch with you? Sure. My website is probably the easiest way for people to reach me. It is www.transitionstherapyllc. That is the name of my practice here in Connecticut. It's a newly revamped website, so I'm really excited for folks to check it out and learn more about my practice. Awesome. Sarah, thank you again. Thank you, Melvin. It was great talking with you. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. So this was another one of those episodes where I am resisting the urge to not take notes in the uh, middle of a podcast conversation, but uh, I really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. So again, some of the tips that, just thinking the big perspective, the tips that Sarah shared were is work on your entrepreneurial mindset as a private practitioner. Be really clear about your ideal client. Again, it's that idea of 
if you, on your website and in your copy, on your directory profile of whether it's Psychology Today or Good Therapy, if you end up trying to speak to everyone, you end up speaking to no one. And then the third one is focus on service. The fourth one is connect to other colleagues. And the last one is be open to learning. I also wanted to mention for you guys to check out session 76 of the podcast, which is all about taking on that entrepreneurial mindset. That can also, I know that session has been really helpful for a lot of folks. Sarah mentioned a number of resources, and you can find that on the Selling the Couch blog and on the show notes page specifically at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number nine nine. We are going up to session 100 next week. This is just has been such an amazing journey, and I'm excited to share episode 100 with you guys, which is 17 private practitioners from all around the world are going to be coming together and sharing the best private practice building tip that they've ever received. So be sure to uh, tune in next week and uh, just transitioning a little bit. But as I mentioned, actually, it's been now a couple of months in the Selling the Couch community, but uh, I will be taking a little bit of a break from the Selling the Couch podcast We are uh, at 100 episodes, and I've literally taken one week off in terms of episodes since we launched, and uh, it's been a wonderful journey. I feel great, but um, I want this podcast to continue for years, and I just want to be really good and really intentional with my self-care, especially as I now jump back into private practice and... uh, also continue to serve you guys through the Selling the Couch community and the blog and the podcast. And I think it also gives me just an opportunity to kind of take a step back to see what we're doing well, to see where we can improve, and then to go from there. So episode 101 will be the last episode. It'll come out the week before Thanksgiving, and then I'll take a week off of Thanksgiving and the entire month of December off, and then we'll start our episodes back in January. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in again. Sarah's website is at transitionstherapyllc.com. If you need inspiration and to see how Sarah organizes things and uh, speaks to her ideal client and all of those things, have a wonderful rest of your week. And thank you again for taking the time to join us. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically. 
uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.